saves old sinners. I'm thrilled and amazed. I was Amen. And you read songbook this morning, hymn number 150, a favorite song of mine, the dearest friend I ever had. We'll be doing the first, first and last verse this morning, hymn number 150.
morning. Let's try it even better. If you're glad there's heat in the church, say amen this morning. That's a gift for a big old Baptist shout. Amen. Several things to give you this morning. A lot of them you heard on our call system we put out, but let me give you these quickly. Uh, pray for, if you would, please, Brother Doug Clark. Uh, we mentioned about Brother Doug's sister-in-law, Diana, going home to be with the Lord. Pray for that family. Services are today, and Brother Doug has lost several members of his family over the last few weeks, so pray for him, especially if you would. Josh and Jesse uh, had their baby on Thursday, went home yesterday, doing well. Pray for them, if you would. Um, Continue to lift up Brother Curtis Ratliff uh, uh, there in Roanoke Hospital. Uh, pray for that family, if you would, as they're traveling back and forth. Uh, pray for Shane and Melanie. For those of you who are on social media, uh, you saw this. Uh, Melanie uh, had a miscarriage, so pray for them, if you would. Remember our services today. We sure need the presence of the Lord. If we're here, we need him here. Hey, Amen. I'm going to ask James to open us up in prayer. Son, you lead us in prayer. Let's go to the throne room together this morning. James, pray for us, buddy. Our Father, we thank you for bringing us back here. Lord, thank you for this place that you provided for us. Father, thank you for the privilege that we have to come before you and worship you. Father, we thank you for your son who gives us that privilege. Father, we know that it's only through him that we can even come before you and pray and have confidence that you hear us. Father, we pray now, first of all, for the requests that have been made. Father, we pray now through Christ that you would uh, take them and answer them in a way that would best help us to grow into the image of our Savior. Father, may you help us to trust you, Father, that you are a loving Father who does uh, know what is best and gives your children what is best for them. Father, help us to trust you and to love you. Father, we pray, God, for the remainder of the service. Father, help us to sing songs of praise to you, your Son, and your Spirit. Father, most importantly, may the preaching of the Word go out through the power of the Spirit. Father, we pray for ears to hear, Lord, as the word of God is proclaimed to us. Father, we pray again, Lord, for the, uh, the ability, God, to worship you in spirit and truth this morning. Father, it's through your son we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I love, love, love this song, and I, I love to hear Miss Lisa sing it. I hope it will be a blessing to you. One of my favorite songs that our choir does, you listen now as we sing, did I mention David sang the praises of the glory of Jehovah.
that choir well done this morning. Uh, aren't you thankful for the blood today? Even on a cold Sunday morning, we're glad to see you. Some quick announcements today. First of all, the new items are listed for Grace Network. Thank you for those who participate in that ministry. New things needed for the quarter uh, that we're in are included there. And I'll remind you uh, that uh, we're looking for some nursery workers. If you can help us out with that, you see Miss Leanne. Need to make a quick correction. I've got the days right, but the dates wrong. Uh, this coming Saturday, which is the 13th, not the 14th, men, uh, we'll be meeting here at the church at 8 a.m. on Saturday to get the stage down, get our church back set up after our Christmas drama. You help us out with that if you would this morning. We'd sure appreciate it. And then uh, it is time to sign up for the meals for Cornerstone Baptist College. Uh, please help us out with that if you would. The Bible school here at the church, uh, our sign-up sheet is here in the uh, postal area. We're looking for some folks that can help us uh, uh, feed the classes, looking at about 12 to 15 people each Monday night. Uh, and if you'd please help us sign up as soon as possible, we would sure appreciate that. And today is the final day uh, for those, uh, that family that we are collecting that lost everything in the fire before the holidays. You please bring those items in if you would by tonight. Then I want to say a big thanks uh, on behalf of uh, my wife and I for the gifts you gave us for Christmas. As always, uh, you all are so generous to us and we appreciate that. We'll get our thank you notes out shortly. I have to share this with you, put a smile on your face. Uh, I shared this last Sunday night at uh, Brother Bill Hicks's watch night service. Um, most of the men that were in our Christmas program, we, we grew the, the mustaches and the beards and the goatees for the Christmas drama. And Brother Ken and I were joking about who was going to shave first as soon as that Sunday night performance was done. Well, uh, uh, last uh, weekend, I was sitting uh, on the chair studying for Sunday's uh, message, and uh, my wife was going upstairs, and I grabbed her, and I pulled her over uh, for a little kiss. She plopped down on my lap, and she started stroking. Don't worry. She started stroking my face, and she said, you know, I sure do like that. I wish you wouldn't shave it. And I looked at her, and she said, I'm serious. I like it. Please don't shave it. I decided then I'm going to become Willie Robertson. Amen. We'll have a beard down there. I may never shave again. Amen. Seriously. <laughs> she looking. No, you're right. Amen. But thank you all for your Christmas gifts. We so appreciate your kindness to us as always. And again, men, if you can help us uh, on uh, next Saturday at 8 o'clock to get all of this down. Uh, no, we're a little bit late on this. Normally we do it before now, but we didn't want you out in five-degree weather. Say amen right there. We're letting it warm up a little bit before we take all of this down on uh, this coming uh, Saturday. And then also, uh, don't forget uh, the online giving platform. Uh, for those who are interested in utilizing that, I'm going to keep that in the bulletin. And if you haven't picked up your boxed tithing envelopes, if you use those and not the online platform, you see Brother Scott, Sister Teresa for that, and you can get those today because we don't want to rob you of the blessing of tithing. Say amen right there. Thank you for all 12 of you that said it. All right. All kids uh, this morning, if you're heading to Children's Church, Junior Church, come on, make your way down. We'll have everything ready for our Penny March starting next week when we get all this stuff down. But let's head straight to Children's Church and Junior Church today. Come on, young folks.
fellas, come on and make your way down this uh, Sunday morning. You be obedient unto the Lord with his tithes and your offerings. And while they come, I also want you to please be praying for Sister Charlotte Thomas. Uh, she goes on Wednesday for some more cancer surgery. She continues to battle there, so you pray for Sister Thomas. Uh, Brother Scott's going to sing for us this morning. You be obedient unto the Lord. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we come to you this morning thanking you for the opportunity to uh, give of that which you so abundantly blessed us. What a privilege it is, Lord. You told us in your word that you love a joyful giver. So, Lord, I pray that you'd bless the offering this morning. Bless Brother Scott as he sings, and we sure love you today. In Christ's name, amen. It starts with a desire planted deep within your heart. You pray in faith and wait for God to move. And time passes and you wonder, did he hear me when I called? Should I even have prayed that prayer at all? Never pray a prayer, your father will not answer. He can't ignore your child's earnest request. While you're waiting and believing for what you thought was best, trust God if he says no, you're still blessed. There must be a greater yes. There comes a time when childlike faith must graduate to trust. Trials come and you're convinced you're on your own. But the teacher's often silent when you're in the hardest test. But he'll answer when it's time with what is best. You'll never pray a prayer. Your father will not answer. He can't ignore his child's earnest request. While you're waiting and believing for what you thought was best, Trust God if he says no, you're still blessed. There must be a greater yes. Sometimes God will answer just like we prayed. But other times what's on his mind is a better plan another way. Greater, yes. You'll never pray a prayer. Your father will not answer. He can't ignore his child's earnest request. So while you're waiting and believing for what you thought was best, trust God if he says no, you're still blessed. There must be a great 
you're waiting and believing for what you thought was best. Trust God if He says no, you're still blessed. There must be a greater yes. Oh, but there must be a greater yes. Amen. Let's all stand together for a fellowship song. Hymn number 46 this morning. You read songbook number 46. I'd rather be an old-time Christian. Do the first verse, of course. Have a time of fellowship. Hymn number 46 this morning. In this world I've tried most everything And I'm happy now to say There is nothing like religion In the good old than anything I know. I'd rather be an old-time Christian than anything I know. There's nothing like an old-time Christian with a Christian love to show. I'm walking in the grand old highway and I'm telling everywhere I go that I'd rather be an old-time Christian than anything I Amen. Fellowship a while.
so very much. As always, I say this all the time. If you come here and somebody doesn't shake your hand or hug your neck, it's because you ran away from them. So thank you so much, as always, for your kindness and your fellowship. Uh, looking around this morning, uh, you can tell we got about 100 folks who are out sick today. Uh, that lets you know, what, or, or, or couldn't do the cold for reasons you certainly understand with some of our elderly folks. So uh, pray for one another as well. Uh, lots of folks. I, I know we, found, we sound like the SAGBC infirmary today, uh, but I appreciate you making the effort to come on this cold, cold Sunday morning. Fellas, come on down one more time. Uh, first Sunday of every month is always Mission Sunday here at the church, and we appreciate your faithfulness to give in this capacity. Uh, and uh, we're honored to be able to support missions work uh, to such a large extent. We appreciate, as always, your faithfulness. Brother Ken, you come on, and those that are singing with you, you all come on and sing today. Let's ask God's blessings upon this missions offering. Lord, I pray you'd bless the offering today. May it be exactly what you'd have it to be. Lord, we're so honored to be able to support the missions that you've given to us. What, a, what, a, what an opportunity it is uh, just to send the gospel across our country and across foreign soil. Lord, I pray that you'd bless the singers today, the preaching to come. We'll thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Never 
so much uh, quartet uh, well it is our honor this morning to have brother jerry whitlow before he comes i want to share a couple of thoughts with you about brother whitlow uh, a lot of you know this but a lot of you don't uh, i will forever be uh, indebted to brother whitlow 17 years ago in april uh, he recommended me for the pastor at amazing grace baptist church uh, and uh, as he left for trinity baptist and uh, on mother's day uh, 17 years ago, the church voted us in as pastor. Uh, 54 folks were there that Sunday morning, uh, and uh, the Lord has blessed him. The Lord has blessed us, and I'll forever be grateful to him for his confidence to uh, take that pulpit as he moved to uh, Trinity Baptist. And then I want to share this with you because I think it'll be a blessing to you, and I don't think they'd mind me sharing it. When, when uh, Sister Edna had her homegoing service, uh, Brother Jerry's wife, Dreema, uh, was down here. Of course, Dreema is uh, Miss, Miss Irma's daughter. And uh, that's the first time I'd gotten to see Miss Dreamer in uh, really, I think, since you all had moved to Ohio. So after the service on uh, Saturday night, we were chatting for a while, and I asked Miss Dreamer, I said, uh, Miss Dreamer, how were you when you all moved to Ohio? Did you just love it? And she looked at me, and she said, are you kidding me? I'd never been more mad at my husband in my life than when we moved away. I told him he was smack dab out of God's will. And I looked at her, and he, she said, I did. I told him that. I said, Renee, honey, plug your ears. Don't get no ideas. Amen. But then it was shortly after that, just in fact days after that, uh, that uh, Miss Dreamer was diagnosed with breast cancer, a very aggressive form of cancer. And uh, as we often say, as luck would have it, but I think we as believers understand as the Lord would have it, where they moved uh, was right smack dab in the uh, cancer center treatment centers of America, right smack in the heart of the best breast cancer doctors in the country. And she looked at me and she said, uh, I had to look at my husband and, and remind him that we didn't move up here for him. We moved up here for me and how God worked. Brother Jerry is now the dean at Maslin Baptist College, uh, doing dean of students there, doing a fantastic job, uh, re really reinvigorating and reviving that school. And I appreciate the work that the Lord's called him to do. I want you to make him welcome this morning. Brother Jerry, you come on up here today, brother.
But it is my privilege to be back home. And uh, I was sitting over there thinking about the times when I was in school here. And I remember Pastor Moore being here and down there. And I was sitting in the middle for chapel. And uh, I went to school here from grades 7 through 12. And uh, that was uh, the best 10 years of my life. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, that would be my son I'm talking about, but uh, no, uh, but uh, I'm, I thank you so much, Pastor Hodges. I'm thankful for the work you're doing here, and uh, we pray for you often, and uh, we thank God for this place. I told my wife I am privileged today to preach in two places that are dear to my heart, and that is I, I'm here this morning, and I'll be at Trinity tonight, and not many times do you have the opportunity to go back to places where you have been and to be able to preach there again. And I'm thankful that we left on good terms Absolutely. on both of those ministries. And uh, both of them are doing extremely well. Amen. And we rejoice in that. Uh, if you would, take the word of God. Turn with me to Psalm 77. Psalm 77. I would like to give you a commercial and uh, from Maslin Baptist College. Many people do not know about Maslin Baptist College. Mas Maslin was, uh, began in 1973 by Dr. Bruce Cummings. We have over 700 graduates serving the Lord worldwide. We are a Bible college, a Baptist Bible college. You say, what do you train there? Well, we basically train preachers, missionaries, and beginning next year, we're starting a new program for sacred music. Amen. And so we're excited about that. Uh, this past year, we started new classes. We now, in our missions program, we offer sign language. Uh, we offer Spanish. Uh, we also partner with the Baptist Bible Translators Institute in Bowie, Texas. And uh, we have graduates now that when they leave us, they go to Bowie. They're automatically accepted into that college. They spend one year and learn to translate the scriptures into languages that do not have a Bible. And uh, that is something we're very, very thankful for. We have a graduate right now that is on deputation to go to Iraq, and she will be translating the scripture into languages there in the, uh, for the Iraqi people that do not have a Bible. And uh, so we're excited about that. And uh, so God has been blessing. I serve as dean of students, vice president of the college, also the assistant pastor of the Maslin Baptist Temple. And... Um, Yes, we did not run buses today due to wind chill. And uh, when I talked, uh, I checked my phone a few minutes ago, it was eight degrees below zero wind chill, and, uh, but it was eight degrees Fahrenheit. And so I said, you know, it's not a lot of difference between when I got here and it is in Ohio. And uh, you said, where is Maslin located? Let me give it to you this way. Maslin, Ohio is 15 minutes from the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. We are one hour south of Cleveland, Ohio. You'll never forget the Cleveland Browns. They are 0-16. Right. You say, well, that's not funny. Well, look at it this way. That's the same record that the University of North Carolina has when they traveled to Charlottesville and played Virginia at home. That's the easiest way you can remember that. And... Um, just saying, I mean, I'm, I'm, in, I, I'm a Buckeye, but I'll always be a Virginian, all right? Uh, that's just the way it is. Hey, let me, let me give you some things that we got back there. We're having college days. I'd love for you to bring a group up and be in college. You say, why, why should we come? Just pray, where would God want you to go? 
Our college, $3,700 stay in the dorms. That's room and board tuition. $3,700 per year, not semester, per year. You say, how can that be? We budget $100,000 from our church to go into the college, and we have 28 other churches that support us monthly. And so the key of it is this. We do not want anyone to run up a student debt. When you graduate, we want you to go to take a church with 20 people. We want you to go start a church. We want you to be able to go to the mission field and not have to go and do something else to pay off a student loan. And so we keep tuition low. Uh, Brother Randy Digman is going to be uh, preaching for our student days, and we're excited to have him in. Uh, this is a brochure about the different degrees that we had. Pick this up. We also uh, have a rapid start program where you can start Bible college while you're in high school. And uh, this will tell you about how that you can do that. This is something we're thankful for. This is a track that I wrote uh, along with our missions class. It is called The Great Slip. And uh, this track is published by the Soul of the Lord. And uh, it is how to, a lot of times when you talk about Muslims, people get afraid. And uh, my son and I, we were getting ready to get on the airplane, and, and he looked over and he said, there's a Muslim. And I said, that's not a Muslim, that's a Sikh. And he said, no, that's a Muslim. And, he, and uh, I said, no, son, you don't have anything to worry about. He said, that's a Muslim, they're going to blow us up. And I said, no, son, that, that's not a Muslim, they're not going to blow you up, that is a Sikh. And he said, well, what's a Sikh? I said, that's a person that's seeking for a place to blow people up. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so then he was afraid to get on the plane, but... Uh, uh, we calmed him back down. But you, you find a lot of information about these different beliefs. But what we've started putting together is information how to lead them to, to Christ. This is a track for Muslims. And uh, what we do, we take the Quran and uh, we uh, go through the Quran and then we take them slowly into the Word of God and we show them the truth from the Word of God. But you have to begin, if you just start telling them how wicked the Quran is, they're going to turn you off. But this is a track that you can actually hand a Muslim, they will not be offended, but by the time they finish reading it, they will know. And so our goal now is we're doing this in our missions class every year, we're printing one of these tracks. And uh, one of the classes that I have the privilege of teaching is uh, how to lead Muslims to Christ, introduction to the Muslim religion and belief. So uh, that is something there. We also have a book back there about uh, if you have a lot of questions, what do you do? What about suicide? What about, uh, uh, kind of like what you were talking about in Sunday school, what about, what, where do I turn in cases like this? We got a book back there to help you with that. Brother Newman, a friend of ours, wrote that. And uh, we, we have those back there for sale. Brother Byron Fox is a good friend. And we have a lot of his CDs through Bible Truth. And we have CDs for children. And uh, this is something that, that we've already purchased for our grandbaby. And, and uh, if you don't know, I'm a granddad now. I'm a papa. I'm enjoying that. I go by my daughter's house. I play with Paisley. I give her back and I go home. And it is a wonderful thing. And I enjoy that. And, uh, but we have some music back there just for children and uh, information about the college. So if we can help you with that, we'll be at the back after the service, Lord willing. Psalm 77, would you there, look there, please? I know you come for preaching. You didn't come for an advertisement, a commercial, but uh, it's always good to know that there are other Bible colleges, and we pray for you here. And when I was at Trinity, we started a Bible college there. And, and, uh, and one of the things we had the privilege of doing, I don't know if you know this, we have a campus in Ecuador, South America. Uh, I um, uh, did the graduation there last year from sitting in my office through Skype. I did the graduation. And uh, then we are encouraging other churches, just like yours, to start a Bible college. And we have several of those across the country. 
And uh, so it's not that we want everybody to come to Maslin. We'd like to help you and uh, get going in your area where you can keep the people serving in your local church. And uh, so uh, uh, that's a little bit about the ministry. Psalm 77, I was listening to your pastor this morning when he was bringing Sunday school. And this passage of scripture came to my heart. It's a testimony of Asaph. And if you look at verse number one, verse number one sums up the whole chapter. It says, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. Isn't it wonderful when you pray, God hears your prayer? Yeah. Isn't that a blessing? But I want you to notice, beginning with verse number two, he begins to break this down. And in verse two and verse number three, he says these words, In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My soul ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. And then he uses a musical term. It's a rest. Selah. Simply stop. And think about it. Now, when you begin to think about different things, and I heard your pastor today talk about how many are going through difficult times. I was telling my mom and dad yesterday, had some time to spend with them, and I said, we are praying as our family that this year all of us will stay healthy. Yeah. The older you get, the more you pray that, you know. <laughs> now, it's, now it's, boy, I just want to be healthy, you know. I'd like to be able to have a vacation that's not sick days. Really would. Or I'd like to have vacation that I'm not using sick days for someone else in my family. And when I look at this passage of Scripture, Asaph says this, in the day of my trouble. Now, as a pastor, I, this coming May, I, uh, this come, I say, pardon me, in June, June, we will celebrate 30 years in the ministry. I've been with a lot of people when they've had surgeries. I've been with a lot of people when they've heard cancer. I've preached a lot of funerals. I've been to the nursing homes. I've, I've been there with people when they've faced very difficult times in their life. But may I tell you, it is different when it is your trouble. I mean, I, I've heard all these things. I've said them. Hey, just faith. Just trust the Lord. Just trust the Lord. And then I get sick and it's like people say, trust the Lord. And I'm like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> this is my problem. That's right. I tell you trust the Lord, but this is my situation. Exactly right. This is my problem. This is my loved one that's just passed away. This is my family that's just been told cancer. This is me that is sitting in the hospital and laying in this bed. This is my trouble. And we look at it completely different. Asaph doesn't tell us what his trouble is. He, he just says, in the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. And then he says, my sore ran in the night. Have you ever had something that was a sore? And it just eats at you and eats at you and eats at you and until it just tears you to pieces. My son shoots in competitions and I came home one day, I was telling my parents, I came home one day and, and, and the window in the garage had a hole in it. And so I went in and 
I said, Jordan, I said, why did you shoot the window? He said, I didn't shoot the window. I said, come with me. I took him outside, took him around to the garage window. I said, it's got a hole in it. I said, you're the only one shooting here. And the way he practices is he stands in our den, he shoots through the hallway into the garage, and that's where the target is. We have a sophisticated shooting range. But on the target is, is big pieces of metal. And so I went there and I, I, I said, son, you did this. He said, I didn't do it. I said, you did do it. And so I went back to the target and I looked at it and a smile come across my face and I said, come here. I said, has the thought ever occurred to you that if you shoot the same hole thousands of times, you will eventually shoot through metal? He said, really? I said, that's not a good thing, son. It's a good thing you keep shooting the same hole. It's a bad thing you shut out the window. Now you pay for it. <laughs> but that's the way a sore is. It just keeps eating at you and eating at you and eating at you. And that's what was happening to Asa. And it was getting to him. As a matter of fact, you're going to look here, and he said, he said, in the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My soul ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. Hey, this thing went on all night long. He couldn't sleep. It was eating at him. You ever had something going on in your life and it just you couldn't sleep? And I mean, you tried to go to sleep, but you couldn't sleep. This thing was on your mind. You couldn't get it off your mind. It was running at you. It was eating at you. It was tearing you to shreds. And this sore, it was your trouble. It wasn't somebody else's trouble. It is your trouble. And it's not going away. And it just keeps eating and eating and eating at you. And that's what's happening to this man. No, oh, by the way, don't think ASAP was some superhero. He was a man just like us. The Bible says in verse 3, I remembered God and was troubled. I complained, and my spirit was overwhelmed. Think about that. If I were to take a poll today, that's probably some of you sitting in this room. You're facing some things right now. It is your trouble. It's not somebody else's. It's yours. And you would to God. He would take it away. But it's there. It's there. But the apostle Paul had a thorn in the flesh and he prayed some three times that God would remove it. Did God remove it? The answer was no. He did not remove it. And there are some things in life you and I are just going to have to go through. We do not like it. We, we don't rejoice in it. We don't want it to happen in our life. But it is here. I have found one phone call can change your life forever. Some of you are facing that right now. You have a son or daughter that's, that's gone haywire, and, and here it is. You, you've prayed for others, and you, you've begged God to help other families, and now it's not another family. It is your son and your daughter, and you're begging God to do something, and it's your problem right now. You've had friends of yours go through divorce. You've begged God to help them and encourage them, and but now it's you and it's your spouse and 
And your spouse has said, I'm out of here and I'm leaving. Or one more time and this is it. And it's your home that's in trouble. It's not somebody else's. It is your trouble. There's some that's had a family member just pass away. And you say, I don't understand all this. It's not making any sense. Asaph, he said, in the day of my trouble, I was overwhelmed. Can I, can I say here in verse 2 and verse 3, you see his problem expressed. God, I got this problem. You're going to have to do something. By the way, when you come to church, aren't you looking for God to do something? If we come to church and leave and go back home the same way we came, we should have just stayed at home. We come looking for God to do something. Expecting God to do something. And here Asaph is begging God, and he said, I, I don't know that I can take any more of it. Dr. Clarence Sexton, a friend of mine, his mother passed away, and, and he was doing the funeral. And as he, as he was doing the funeral, his mother's best friend came to him, and she said, Clarence, she said, I, she said your mom was so close to me. She said, I don't know that I can make it another day without your mom. She said, I don't know what I'm going to do. She walked outside, and when she walked outside of that church, I'm talking about the funeral of Dr. Sexton's mother had just happened. He had just preached the funeral. This lady had just made the statement. She walked outside, and the flower truck came around the building, and the, uh, the uh, gas pedal stuck and ran over that lady and killed her instantly. How do you deal with something like that? I mean, this, this just happened. What, what do you do? She just stood there and said, I don't know how I'm going to make it. And boom, now she's gone. Bad things happen to God's people. Bad things happen to all people. Divorce rate in America, 50%. Divorce rate among Christians, 50%. Second marriages, 75%. Third marriages, over 80%, whether Christian or lost. Bad things happen. Isn't it interesting? You can train up two children, and when they get old, one will follow God, and one will follow the world. Your heart is broken. It's not somebody else's trouble. It's your trouble. What are you going to do? I want you to notice not only his problem expressed, but his problem expanded in verse number 3. He said, I'm overwhelmed. In verse 4, thou holdest mine eyes waking. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. He's distressed. Can't even talk about it. You ever had something hit you so hard that you can't even talk about it? Somebody would come over and try to talk to you and you don't want to talk to them because you don't even know what to say. One of the worst things you never say is, well, I know what you're going through. You have no clue what I'm going through. Don't even go there. Unless you have walked in my steps, unless you have talked to the people, unless you've been through exactly the same thing, don't even say you've been there. You haven't been there. You can show sympathy, but you cannot show me empathy. He's overwhelmed. He said, I can't even talk about it. Verse number five, I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. 
I commune with my own heart and my spirit made diligent search. Have you ever wondered what you did wrong when the problem comes? What did I do to cause this? What is it I'm not doing that caused this? When you go to the doctor and you get bad news, do you stop and say, God, what's in my life that shouldn't be? We've been there. God, why did this happen? What caused it? What am I doing wrong? That's the way Asaph was. And then he made diligent search. God, what is it in my life that shouldn't be? Can I tell you, not every time trouble comes to your life because of sin in your life. Now, you can bring sin into your, uh, bring trouble into your life by sin, but it doesn't happen every time. Job, tremendous man, yet he had major trouble. I want you to look with me, please. Verse number seven. Will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? He was in a distressed state. He made diligent search. And now he has a doubting spirit. He's even doubting God. And is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promises fail forevermore? He's saying, God, can I even trust you? Verse 9, hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Then you see, think about that. God, why are you not answering? And then he realizes something. You know what his problem really is? His problem is not his problem. His problem is God did not take care of his problem. Now he's angry. I found out in my own life many times that my problem becomes that God didn't fix my problem. God, I'm going to pray. I saw on TV, you name it, claim it, and get it. So here it is. It didn't work. Told my wife one time, I said, I'm, I'm thinking about going over and putting my head on a television set and turning on Ernest Angley just to see if he'd come through that screen. But our problem many times is not our problem. Our problem is God didn't take care of our problem. Oh, by the way, the way we thought it should be taken care of. He told you a little bit about my wife when we moved to Maslin, Ohio. You're right. My wife, she, she was like, man, are you sure? I can't tell you how many times she said, are you sure? I said, I'm sure. She said, I don't know about this. I said, I really believe this is where God wants us. She said, I don't know about that. She said, God didn't tell me that. <laughs> and people are different there. Culture is different there. And she's learned to like it now, and she enjoys it, and, and, and she drives just like them. <laughs> We'll be driving down the road, and there'll be a stop sign. She just runs it. <laughs> you know. I, we were driving down the road the other day, and she said, 
she ran a stop sign. I said, I said, didn't you see that stop sign back there? She said, oh, I forgot it was one there. I said, you don't have to memorize where they are. You just look at the sign. We don't look at maps and memorize where there's traffic signals. We have an Acura. We just got it. We got it early for our anniversary. This coming year, we'll be married 30 years. And um, <laughs> it's got a thing in there where if you cross the lines, it will push you back in the middle of the road. Does it automatically. You don't even have to hold the wheel half the time. And so you'll be driving down the road, and you, you get on the yellow line, and it'll move you back. I got in there, and it didn't work. And so I, I asked my wife, I said, this thing, I said, is this thing broke? She said, I turned that off. <laughs> I said, why'd you turn it off? She said, because it kept moving me around. I said, I don't understand. I said, it never, I, I never have any problem with it. She said, well, it kept moving me around. I said, oh, here's the thing. Stay between the lines. <laughs> When we got out there, and she went, and she had a test run, and just like normal, she'd been having, she'd been having um, 3D mammograms done for years. And she went to the doctor this day, and she had uh, had that done, and and the doctor was giving her the results. But here, the doctor said this: the doctor who was a Christian said, "Mrs. Whitlow, I don't know why, but I'd like to do one more test on you." She said, well, sure. They did the test. And <clears throat> when they called to get the results, I went with her. I normally don't go with her. But I went this day. And when the, she came in, the doctor came in with a counselor. That's never good. And so the doctor came in, the counselor came in, and I was sitting there, and, and my wife just looked at me and the doctor's very kind. She said, I'll just be honest with you. She said, you have cancer. And she said, you have stage three breast cancer. And so I just reached over and grabbed my wife's hand, and I knelt on the floor, and I asked the doctor, could we have a moment? And the doctor said, yes. And she looked at the counselor, and she said, we don't need you any longer. The counselor went out, and the doctor said, is it okay if I stay here and pray with you? I said, sure. We had prayer together. You see, this was our problem. I'd been there with other people many times, but this was our problem. And we began to pray, God, would you take this away? God, we don't know what to do. My wife's a young lady. We've moved to a new city. A lot of work to be done. Trying to, as he mentioned, getting a college back off the ground again, back going again. And God, we just don't have time for this. And we didn't know what doctor, and she said, well, let me see what I can do. And they found us one of the, one of the best doctors in the world. And when they checked her again, they came back and said, you know, we, we did some more testing, and you also have stage 3 colon cancer. So now she has breast cancer and colon cancer. 
Stage three means you've had it for a while. It means when we were in Virginia thinking everything was okay, she had cancer. Now what are you going to do? You beg God. She has surgery. She has chemo. She has another surgery. She ends up with four surgeries. God never removed her. She had to go through chemo. She had to have surgery. Have you ever begged God for something and he just didn't get it removed? And my wife said, well, you know, I guess God wants me to go through this. She said, so, you know what we need to do? She said, God's put on my heart that, that when I go for chemo treatment, she said, I need to be a help to these people. And so she started putting together chemo bags. She got on the Internet. She figured out how to do these things. And then when she went for her first treatment, she found out that, that when they flush your port, she had to have a port put in. When they flush it, you get a bad taste in your mouth. So she started taking everybody candy. And then she started putting all these other different things together. She put together a little cap so that they, uh, when you lose your hair, you would, you would have something to wear. And, and she, she went through all these different things. And she, she started making these bags. Well, next thing I know, churches started getting in on this thing. And people were sending items in. And we were making hundreds of bags. And she would go to the hospital, Brother Hodges, and she would, she would be hooked to the IV, taking her chemotherapy, walking down the hallway, and she said, God just wanted me to give you this. She said, you're going to be okay. And then she would go over here to the next room, and she said, I'm taking chemo just like you. She said, but God wanted me to give you this. She said, you'll be okay. And I'm sitting back here going, that's good preaching. Yeah. Why didn't God take it away? You see, sometimes God will get more glory when you go through it than when he removes it. You see, you might be facing something right now, and you say, you know what, man, I am going through this. I would to God he'd take it away. Can I tell you, you might be right in it. Can I use country terms? You might be in a slap middle of the will of God right where you're at. Because now you can go over there and say, I know what you're going through. I couldn't say that. My wife got through all of that, and it was amazing. She went back, and oh, by the way, she just had her checkup back in December, 100% cancer-free. God be the glory. The doctor that came and did her surgery came from New York. He did the surgery, and he only did three of them. He went back to New York, and, and the lady there in, in, in Cleveland, or pardon me, in, in Mass, uh, Canton, wherever I'm at, when, when, when she was in Canton, the doc, that doctor came in and said, you know what, said the doctor that did your surgery only did three cases. You were one of them. It's almost like he came here just to do your surgery. Yeah. Sounds like God did that to me. Yeah. This past year, we got through that. My wife's doing well. I get sick. You're not going to believe this, but I lost 30 pounds. But I lost 30 pounds in about three weeks. Completely sick, horrible. I go to the hospital three different times. Third time they put me in. They put me in on the fourth floor. 
Preachers visit the hospital enough to know who's on what floor. I know where the heart place is. I know where the, the cancer is. I know where the children are. I, I, I mean, when you visit the hospitals, you know where all these places are. They put me on the fourth floor. And I go in, and, and I, I mean, I'm just losing weight. I can't eat. I am so sick. Never felt like this in all my life. And so my wife comes in, and, and, and I said, why am I on the cancer floor? Oh, I don't know. They, I, I, this is not the cancer floor. I said, don't lie to me. I visit here all the time. I know where I'm at. She said, oh, you don't have to worry about that. She said, it's not cancer. I said, listen, everybody get quiet. Listen. They're talking about cancer next door. I'm in the cancer unit. Why am I in the cancer unit? And I've never been so afraid in all my life. My pastor came in and he prayed with me and I told him, I said, preacher, I said, I'm embarrassed to tell you this, but I've never been this scared in all my life. He said, are you afraid to die? I said, no. I said, I know if I die, I'll be better off. I said, but I'm scared. He said, what are you scared of? I said, I don't know. If I knew what it was, I wouldn't be afraid of it. <laughs> Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever just been afraid and don't know even know why, but, but you're facing something and you're just terrified? And They called me early in the morning. They said, we're going to do a bone marrow biopsy, and that's never good. They did a bone marrow biopsy. They met with me, told me I had T-cell lymphoma. I said, I don't know what that is. My doctor said, well, T-cell lymphoma means, she said that uh, for every 10 people who have non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, there might be one that has T-cell lymphoma. It is very rare cancer. I said, well, what does that mean? Am I going to live or die? She said, I don't know. Well, that's encouraging. She said, you're going to have to go to Cleveland Clinic. She said, we can't help you here. I said, you help my wife here. She said, yes, I know. But she said, your type of cancer, we can't help here. I was troubled. I was overwhelmed. I had a problem. And my problem was God wasn't fixing my problem. We began to cry out to God. I kept getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And then all of a sudden, I started getting better. I started getting better. And I gained two pounds, and I'm like, praise God. <laughs> I've gained a little more since then. I've been battling anorexia, and I'm winning. <laughs> Going to defeat that one day. I was at the doctor, and she said, you're gaining too much weight. I said, well, my problem is I'm allergic to food. Because when I eat certain foods, I swell up, but I haven't figured out which foods that, are, that, that do that, so I just have to keep eating. <laughs> I'm getting sicker and sicker and sicker. It's not going well. And I'm just sharing a testimony with you this morning. That's all. Testimony of Asaph and my family. And I went to Cleveland and T-cell lymphoma. Don't know what's going to happen. Doctor comes in and I stand up. It's a lady. I stand up and I greet her. She looks over at the guy with her. Kind of strange. And I sat back down. I wasn't feeling the best in the world. You went through some of this. And so then 
she begins to check me, and she says, well, I'm going to check your swollen lymph nodes. She said, you have swollen lymph nodes here, here, and here, and here, and all this type of stuff. And I said, okay. She couldn't find any. And then she goes, and she does these other tests and all this type of stuff, and she says, now, I'm going to try to close all that. And so she said, I'm going to do another, bone, uh, I'm, I'm going to do another test on your bone marrow biopsy that we have done. And she said, but I just can't find what they found. And I said, okay. That sounded better all the time. And so she calls me a few weeks later, a couple weeks later. She said, Mr. Whitlow, she said, I can't find any of that stuff. She said, go on and do whatever you want to do. She said, you don't have to ever come back here again. She said, you don't have T-cell lymphoma. I said, to God be the glory. Now, hang on. My wife had to go through it. I don't understand that. Doesn't make any sense to me. I went through a portion of it, but God delivered it. How come I got delivered and she had to go through the treatment? How come I got delivered and she had to go through all these different surgeries? Well, you know what? I can't answer that. Neither can you. I was laying there, and I'm going to give you this, and we're going to close it out, and then we're going to, we're going to show you the end of it here. I hope I'm not going too awfully long. But my wife, I told you, she does good preaching. Before they found out what was happening, or before they diagnosed me, or told me that I didn't have it, I told my wife, I said, Draymond, why am I so scared? I said, you weren't scared. I said, I saw the grace of God all over you. I said, you glowed with the grace of God. You walked down the hall, hey, I'm going through chemo. You were going to be all right too. Hey, boom, God loves you. Amen. I said, boy, I don't feel like any of that. You glowed with the grace of God. I saw the grace of God all over you. I said, how come I don't experience that? I'm a preacher. Been preaching for almost 30 years. I don't experience any of that. And this is what she said. She said, well, she said, think about it. She said, the Bible says, boy, I hate it when she does <laughs> The Bible says that God will either give you grace to go through it or he'll take it away. She said, so if you don't have grace to go through it, I wouldn't worry about it. She said, because you probably don't have it. She was right. And I got home after that, and I started searching my Bible, and do you know what? Without exception, God gives you grace to go through it, or he'll take it away. But how often do we get angry because our problem is we don't like the way God is handling our problem. You see, your problem may still be there. But if you can get to the point that you agree with the way God's handling your problem, your problem gets a whole lot less. Let's close out here. Let's look at the end of the chapter. The Bible says this, verse number 10, And I said, this is my infirmity. He's saying here, 
My problem is I don't like the way God is dealing with my problem. But here's where it changes. But I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember thy wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. You know what? The more I think about this, wait a minute. I need to get my mind off my problem. I need to think about how good God's been. You sunk about it just a little while ago. Can I, can I use scripture? And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. God saved your soul. Start thinking about that a little bit. Start thinking about there's a better day of coming. For the child of God, this is the worst it ever gets for us. For the lost person, you better enjoy it because this is the best it ever gets for you. I mean, when you think about heaven, man, what a glorious day that's going to be. And it's not going to be long before we get there. Time is moving quickly. Fifty years from now, your problem won't matter. He said, I'm going to think about what God's done. I'm going to think about what God is doing. And I'm going to meditate of all thy work and talk of thy doings. And when you start talking about how good God is, it is hard to complain about your problem. Boy, God's been so good. Man, think about how good God's been. Well, God took care of me. I, I get frustrated when I hear somebody stand up and say, I'm so thankful God saved me back in 1973. Amen. God's good. Sit back down. Hey, if he hadn't done something for you since 1973, you better check up and see if you're a child of God. Believe me, he's already done something for you this year. God is good to us. Think about that. The goodness of Almighty God, that mercy endureth forever. There's nobody like him. He is so good to us. Just like the footprints in the sand poem, when you can't walk through the valley by yourself, he just simply picks you up and carries you through. I can stand here this morning with 100% confidence telling you God will give you grace or God will remove it, one of those two. Why don't we just go ahead and give him the glory for what he's going to do. Now I don't know what you're facing. And maybe you're, maybe you're like Asaph. Man my problem is I don't like the way he's dealing with my problem. Could be. But can I tell you something? God's still good. He's still on the throne. He makes no mistakes. He knows what we need. Let him deal with your problem you just quit having a problem with the way he deals with it would you stand with me for prayer please heads bowed eyes closed all over the room father thank you for your word and I pray Lord you use this I tried to be a blessing and a help just basically shared testimonies today God you're so good and father there could be some here this morning that they have a problem and maybe they've been crying out to you day after day after day, but that problem is still there. 
And Lord, to be honest with you, now they've got to the point they have a problem that you haven't fixed their problem. So Lord, right now I pray they would be willing to just slip out and come and kneel here at the altar. God, this is a time that they can say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to get back to thinking about the goodness of God, the blessings of God, and how your grace is always sufficient. And God, I'm going to trust you. God, forgive me for having a problem with the way you've been dealing with my problem. Father, you use this time in Jesus' name. Pastor, take the invitation. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to ask one question this morning before Brother Ken sings. How many of you would just be honest in your seat right there where you are and say, Pastor, that message this morning describes me or our family. We're facing a battle today that only God can fix, and we desire your prayers. How many of you that describes this morning? I'm seeing a lot of hands go up. I want to invite you right now, before Brother Ken sings the first word of this song, would you step out? Why don't you come this morning to this old-fashioned altar? There's a lot of folks who've already moved. Why don't you come this morning? And if that doesn't describe you, can I implore you to pray for those that are at this altar? Because there's an awful lot of people here today who are dealing with an awful lot of burdens. Maybe you want to slip up and pray with somebody or pray for somebody. I want you to come right now. Brother Ken, you come on and sing for us. Would you come this morning? Brother Ken sings.
Boy, what an awesome message this morning. I needed that for a lot of reasons, and I know a lot of you in the building did as well. I want you to make your way back to the uh, vestibule this morning and thank Brother Jerry. Let him know you're praying for him. Let him know you appreciate the message uh, uh, and that you be praying for him as he continues his travels across the country and the work there at the college services tonight at 6 o'clock. Excited to be preaching for you this evening, so you be back with us tonight. Father, we thank you, Lord, for what you've done in our midst today. Lord, you never promised us that there wouldn't be problems, but you did promise us that you'd go with us through the problems. Lord, I'm so grateful today that we serve an on-time, in-time, all-the-time God who is an ever-present help in a time of need. Lord, sometimes you calm the storm. Lord, sometimes you just calm the ship in the middle of the storm. Lord, there's a lot of storms that folks are facing today. Lord, I'm praying right now that you'd either calm that storm around them, or Lord, that you would calm them as they go through the storm. Lord, as Brother Whitlow just beautifully said, God, either give grace to go through the problem, or Lord, just remove it altogether. And whatever you do, we'll know it'll be good because you're God and you're always good. You always do all things well. Lord, I'm praying for those in our congregation who faced funeral homes this week or today that you'd bless them. Lord, I'm praying for those in our congregation who couldn't be here today because of sickness that you'd bless them. And Lord, we're going to thank you and praise you for what you'll do because you're good and you're God and you're always do all things well. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us in Christ's name. Amen. You're dismissed. Fellowship with each other. We'll see you tonight at 6 o'clock.